You're listening to The Issues Podcast. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. This is an episode of The Issues Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Russ, Tom Brennan, and Martin Wickens. All right, welcome to another episode of the Issues Podcast. Today we're talking about children's ministries. Are they biblical? And guys, I maybe thought we could start by talking a little bit about our experience as children. We all were uh, in church as children. Martin, you were reached as a child, is that correct? Yes, correct. Yep, yep. So we would have all had some some form of uh, uh, religious uh, influence in our in our youth. Uh, Martin, being from England, I wonder, did you guys have like a children's church while the big church was going on? Uh, how did that work for you? Uh, well, my experience, again, it's, it was a little bit different because I was uh, in the church of an American missionary. So, um, but yeah, we would have had Sunday school and youth meetings and things. And uh, Sunday school was very much, I think, familiar with what you guys would have experienced here. Um, but the English invented Sunday school. So, you know, most, most, uh, churches over there do have something, but nowhere near to the degree that America now has youth as a ministry focus. Uh Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean English? The English invented Sunday school. Whenever you say something like that, I'm always skeptical. Robert Rakes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. It goes back to, uh, uh, Evangelical Anglican back in the seventeen really eighties or whatever it was. And I thought D.L. Moody invented it. Well, no, that was the bus ministry. Revolution. Was yeah, that? I, I said I thought it was D.L. Moody, but that was the bus ministry. So never mind. No. Well, again, I think there's a lot of stuff that you know Britain invented, but then it was very much matured and perfected in the American scene. Um. So. So yes, I think Sunday school's always been a part of my life and youth ministry and everything. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I was I was raised in a smaller church, and it was the church I now pastor. So you know, I mean, I can think the cool thing is is I have Sunday school teachers who teach still to this day, who were my Sunday school teachers. Oh, that's you awesome. Know. Oh yeah, it's yeah. it's amazing. It's scary, but it's amazing. You know, they've got all the <laughs> stories. Uh, I mean, right now where I'm recording this in the room I'm I'm in right now. Next room over is the secretary of the ministry. She's been here since I was, goodness, man, I don't know, two or three years old. And um, she used to teach a Sunday school class. She still teaches that same age group. She is a powerhouse. Um, she's wonderful with the kids, you know. Um, but one thing we didn't have that we now have is is we didn't have like Sunday morning junior church during the main service. We mm. have that now. But I didn't grow up outside of the services of the church like a lot of our children do today did you have a brother Russ? did you have a favorite sunday school teacher yeah it was her absolutely it was the secretary oh 100 well I'll, I'll say most memorable I, I mean you know we had the, i even had some of my own family members were my sunday school teachers so i, I won't say which one's the favorite <laughs> but <laughs> um but but seriously i mean probably the most impressionable one would have been uh, judy owen who still teaches Sunday school. I've got kids in her class right now. She's just as enthusiastic today as she was back then. I mean, she's, she's five foot nothing. I think, she, I think she actually now she's an inch shorter. She's four, four or 11. Uh, and uh, just energetic 
and uh, excited and and the kids love it. Matter of fact, her name's Judy. The the lady who helps her is named Judy. We have a lot of Judys in our church. So, yeah. Yeah, that that would be I mean, just the fact that she's still doing it, I think is is something that makes me think back with fondness and realize that, you know, it can be such a tremendous ministry yeah. uh, to mm-hmm. serve the children yeah. of the church. I mean, think about the great men of God who were influenced as children by a Sunday school teacher. Not their maybe not their main pastor, but their Sunday school teacher led Lee Robertson to Christ or uh, other other big name preachers of the past, you know. So it's certainly a, it's a valid ministry. And greatest influences, isn't it, for a, a lot mm-hmm. of young people. And, you know, some coming from maybe non-Christian homes, their their Sunday school teacher is the Christian influence in their life. Yeah. Yeah. Our church has grown to the point where we have a much more developed children's ministry than we used to. But I I think back to the faithful, um, the faithful few that that just maintained their their calling, even. Uh some of them would definitely say it was just like a calling from God that this was their ministry. And um they uh they most certainly um made a tremendous impact in my life, uh, even just by their presence in my life. And I say that because I don't remember specific Sunday school classes per se or lessons, um, but I certainly remember their example. What about you, Tom? I had, I can remember every Sunday school teacher I've ever had. Um, My favorite was my junior boys Sunday school teacher, probably because he was my first male teacher. And he, he would take us, uh, he was the first one to do activities with us. He would take us on hikes. Yep. And um, he also, he played softball in, not for church league, but for separately. And I would go down to the park and I'd watch him play softball. And he was actually rather boring in class in the sense of delivering the <laughs> lesson. But yeah. he, he cared about me and it was very obvious that he cared about me and he cared about us. And he gave away the best candy. It was the it was the sucker with the Tootsie Roll inside of it. That was awesome. Yes. Oh man, <laughs> we we had grade. a candy man at our church, and he gave away butterscotch. That uh, reminds me, one of my Sunday school teachers, because I was sat here trying to think of my Sunday school teachers, and there's one or two that came to mind, and um, but I don't remember my childhood very well for some reason. It's just I my brain doesn't work that way. But there was one I think when I was probably in the teen years is Jim Doak, and he was a a U.S. Air Force guy, um, and just frugal, to put it politely. <laughs> and he would have like the uh, the lifesavers, the fruit lifesavers. Yeah. And when he'd give them out, he'd break them in half and give you a half of a lifesaver. <laughs> oh, man, I've forgotten about that. That's that takes funny. me back. My grandmother would always give us, us kids uh, half a stick of gum. We can never have a whole stick, you know. There you go. So, same concept. Um, I get, you know, I guess go back, though, probably the, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that it's not just Sunday school teachers, because I, I would say mm-hmm. that my life was really impacted by my Christian school, one of my Christian school teachers, which yep. is, you know, I know we, we've discussed Christian education some in this podcast, but in relation to people besides parents ministering to children, there was one particular man. He was he was one of my teachers in high school who just just changed my life in, in, a, in a good way. He became a mentor to me. And I'm very grateful for the Lord for that and to him. Y'all are making me think of my teen years. My grandfather was our pastor and he was our Sunday school teacher. And eventually it was, again, small church, Um, but not so small that we couldn't have had a couple classes. We just didn't, you know. So from sixth grade up to 12th grade, all the teen boys would would be in his his class and he would bring his guitar and any of the other boys who'd play guitar, he'd make them bring them. 
and we would sing about five or six songs, you know, every week. I can still remember the, they weren't normal songs. Like they were songs he liked. Like, I don't know if you ever heard the King and the Beggar, you know, uh, those kind of songs. And then, um, a few hymns along the way. And then we'd recite scripture for probably a good 10, 15 minutes. And that's where I learned Psalm 23, Psalm 100, Jeremiah 17, 9, Jeremiah 33, 3. Um, uh, boy, I'm thinking there were others as well. And and we, we just did the same stuff every week. Uh, and, I, and you made a, a comment. He wasn't, your your teacher, Tom, wasn't the most exciting mm-hmm. teacher. Uh, but but you know, that's a, a good point to make here at the beginning is you don't, you don't have to have a, the the most captivating personality you have to you have to be faithful mm-hmm. be faithful and care yeah you have to love you have to care exactly yeah exactly. and kids so, can tell the difference they they know when someone loves them and genuinely just, cares for them and uh you know so that that's that's key so tom maybe you could answer this question for us why would we do an entire episode on the validity or not of children's ministry well, part of, partly because it was suggested to us, um, partly because it is as as pastors, and this is not a, not a podcast episode aimed at pastors, but as pastors, we we occasionally get pushback about having ministries for children separate from, you know, the main church services, those sorts of things. Um, the more conservative side of the homeschool movement can be a little a little. Uh, how do I want to phrase this? Uh, a little too family oriented in my perspective a little salty, a little salty. <laughs> yeah and and i say that with with i say that with genuine affection not yes. not snarkiness but but they can be and so uh, on on the extreme edge of that or the extreme side of that it it gets the attitude of well my children should never be separated from the main body of the church and I think that is illogical. I think it is unscriptural, and I think it is short-sighted, and I think it is arrogant. Um, but I understand it can be any why one of those things. Say that. Yes, can be. Doesn't have to be, but can be. I think it's illogical because if you take the position that no one can teach your children except for a parent, then how do you ever hand your kid a book to read? Right. I mean, you can't. So, so what are some of the arguments that you, you gentlemen? Uh, and I'm willing to chime in here as well, but what are some of the arguments you all hear against those kind of children's ministries? And for the record, just to kind of add to what Tom said, so I've heard uh, from a lot of people in uh, with the starting of our school and not an overwhelming number that have been resistant toward the idea of it, but uh, even just people in our community who are looking for a church that preaches scriptural, preaches expository. Um, I've had some that have looked specifically for a church that doesn't separate the children from the parents. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. So we have some people that come on Sunday nights and uh, that's why they come. And, and I'm, you know, right. we're not, we're not mad at them and nor, right. nor am I trying to push them out. Uh, but it's it seeming seemingly uh, a growing movement um, that there's almost this sentiment. And it kind of grieves me a little bit based on what I told you at the beginning about the impact that these children's workers had in my life, that there would be some sort of, you know, philosophical pushback against the idea of of a children's ministry in a church or a Christian school being unbiblical, and so I think I think that's what I I want to start with. Right? Is what are some of the arguments you all are hearing uh, to that end? I just think some of it's an overreaction. So you, you do have those churches where basically the parents walk in, drop off the kids, and then they don't see their kids for the next two hours, and then they go home, and then every service there's this kind of hyper segregation of age groups kind of in 
the way you tend to see it in the the, the school system, whereby seven year olds only ever hang out with seven year olds, um, right? And right. and so young people never hang out with an eighty year old Christian, and mm-hmm. there's something lost there. And and so I think partly it's a reaction to a hyper segregation of age groups. I I agree with that. I also think it's driven by. A, a, a good desire to apply what the Bible teaches about parents being responsible to, to bring their children up in the nurture and mission of the Lord. And that is mm-hmm. in the Word of God. It is in Ephesians chapter 6. And you do see that emphasis as well in the book of Proverbs with Solomon uh, teaching his son and, you know, in uh, other places in the Word of God. We know that Jesus would have been taught at home first. And so we respect that and we believe that. Um, and so I think it, it's it's a misapplication of that genuine desire to be biblical in that area. Um, or or an overly strict. Yes, yeah. It's not. It, it it springs from a good heart, but it but it 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 applies it too too strictly or too harshly, if you will. Yeah, I, I hurt for churches like that because they, in essence, rule out any ministry to children that don't already come with parents. Correct. And Correct. that yeah. that is close to a tragedy. That that's a very sad thing to me. It also almost practically rules out. Any help to families where the parents are not spiritual, are not walking with the Lord, don't yes. take ownership of that. It leaves out both of those, both of those whole entire groups, if you will, demographics, and your church becomes essentially focused around already mature adult Christians with children. And again, I, I, I appreciate that and I respect that and I like that, but I think it short circuits what a church can be and more what a church ought to be. In, in reaching in the community. Yeah, that, that's a fantastic point, and I actually want to come back to it later. One thing I was going to add, though, is I almost feel like perhaps there there was an overcorrection to the other side where our churches that were very highly evangelistic did, in fact, over overly segregate and never disciple the children back into the congregation. Does that make sense? So maybe not in every circumstance or every scenario. However, uh, the the modern uh, or the most recent push toward you know having your children with you in the services etc never separating them if it's helped me in one way it's been to be a little bit more patient with the fact that our culture has changed um, I don't I don't make an issue about babies in the service if they cry a little bit yeah right you know I agree with you and yeah. and Tom I think you and I would have both come from the type of churches where <laughs> ushers please show the baby and the family to the nursery you know it's like I couldn't imagine doing that right now because that's that would be so foreign to any the people who come to church be like what in the world you know uh you do have to be a little bit more patient kind and loving and training parents uh and almost uh nonverbal <laughs> in how you disciple parents in raising their children um so you know there if there's anything like I, that i promote from the pulpit it's that hey faithway baptist church you got to be careful because you might step on a child there's so many of them running around and i say look we ought to take you know, what, what does the Bible say about uh, a, uh, a stalled ox, right? Or um, mm-hmm. uh, the crib that the, the crib that's not no clean is because the crib it's is clean. There right. you go. There you go. So you don't have any kids. You don't have the problems that come with that. But if you do have the kids, you'll have those problems. And we ought to look at those as blessed problems, right? So there, there, mm-hmm. has, been, there has been a balance that's happened for me uh, as I've tried to work through what I'm hearing from different uh, different people that are coming to our church, perhaps perhaps from other traditions of faith. But the, the, the big one is that I always hear, you know, the family should worship together. The family should worship together. And I agree with that. 
but that's one of the big arguments against it. Uh, I, I was doing a little online research just preparing for this, and one of the big things that is a complaint about children's ministries is that it, it is a glorified babysitting service. I think someone already alluded to that. If that's what you're allowing it to be used for. Yeah, I, th- I think that's where you as the pastor have to structure it in such a way that it's not just somewhere that the kids go and hang out and play games, but it's actually there's Bible teaching, there's discipleship in an organized, systematized way that's taking place. Right, that it's not th- that. So there's two sides of that. There's the parent side. And in a sense, our church has a bus ministry. In a sense, you know, I think that it's true that many of the parents that allow their children to ride the bus, that's how they view it. I can't change how those parents view it. What I can do is Mm -hmm. do my best to make sure that's not what happens. In other words, what you just said, Brother Wickens, that it is somewhere where they're being taught the word of God. Yes, in an enjoyable way. Yes, in an age appropriate way to their attention span, et cetera. But in in a, Mm -hmm. in a, in a way they're being taught the word of God, not just doing activities, not just playing games as, as you said. Right. And I'm not opposed to the inclusion of games and fun in children's church, just right. so everybody yeah, knows. I agree. Yeah, well, that that's part of that aspect of it being age appropriate, isn't it? You know, and yeah, we can enforce, you know, kids sit in for long periods of time, but if in their right. brains they've checked out, then it doesn't matter anyway. So, yeah, I think, you know, an age appropriate class and environment is going to include mm-hmm. fun times. It's going to include, you know, fun songs and different things. The other thing I think I, I want to mention in this context, and uh, um, in our church specifically, and in everybody's church is different, but in our church, our Sunday night service, we don't have anything going on except for the service and the nursery. So mm-hmm. um, my children, for example, have been sitting in a main church service on Sunday night from the time they were just about the age of three. And we trained them at home on how to sit still and things of that nature and, and, and brought you know coloring books and things when they were real little to help them be quiet. But I, yeah. as a pastor, I love Sunday night service, my favorite service. And part of the reason is because the whole family sitting there in a row. And I like that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it, I, do it, too. I don't think it has to be an either or where your church is structured in such a way that the children are always yeah. out of sight and out of mind and being taken care of. And, and But neither is it where, you know, we always have to be together. I think there's a balance yeah. there, both in intent and in practical, practical terms. Yeah, and that's what we do. Our Sunday school, you know, it is straight to class for whatever the age group is. Our Sunday morning service, we we have junior church for a limited age group, but they start out, we sing a few hymns together, and then they go out. Um, and then Sunday evening, everyone's together. I was just thinking this, and it's really has, I mean, it doesn't have a lot to do with what you were saying, so I'm just kind of throwing it in there, but I was thinking about our services on Sunday nights. And so my wife has you know, had the, well, I won't say she said the misfortune of marrying me, but it certainly has resulted in extra work for her. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we have, we have four children. The oldest is 11. The youngest is three. So she is always pew training a child by herself. She's, she's got two of them yes, done, right? She's working on mm-hmm. one and the other one is about to come in because our nursery goes up to three years old. In other words, three-year-olds are allowed in the nursery after that they come out. And right. so my two oldest boys are 11 and nine, and they just started sitting on the front row with their Bibles. And it, it really warms my heart because now they brought their <laughs> friends up there with them and other parents will oh, let, that's great. you know, so there's a line of about four or five boys, eight, nine, 10, 11 years old, none of them teenagers, all in their little suits and ties sitting on the front row with their Bibles, that's you know, awesome. and, and come, come on, to the man. altar. 
That's how I was raised. And so it warms my heart to see my children doing that. And I love that. One of the things that my parents always had a philosophy of was your children never sit behind you. They can Mm -hmm. sit in front of you, but they never sit behind you. Now that was hard for us because our parents sat on the front row. My wife doesn't do front row. Uh, She's, she knows better than that with some of our kids. She pew trains from the back to the front, which is actually how we were trained, but my parents did it. (laughs) They put us on the front row. Um, So, um, yeah, you know, it's really, really cool to see that catching on. And you're right, Sunday night church is that way. Um, so as a as a general rule, I'm a big fan of children's ministry. Uh, our church runs anywhere from three to three fifty on a Sunday morning. About a hundred out of the three hundred, if we, if we run around three hundred, at least a hundred of them are eighteen and, and under. And our bus ministry, like a lot of bus ministries since COVID, has not bounced back. So it's primarily drive-in. Yesterday, we would have had a drive-in of about 290. uh, And then the rest of it was was bus. Um, But uh, last week, I think drive-in was closer to 350. So it just varies um, from from week to week. And children's ministries have helped us grow. And I don't mean that in a pragmatic sense to the negative. Uh, Some may argue that it's a bit pragmatic, and that's fine. They're entitled to their opinions. But it's helped our church because of something that Tom said earlier. And that is this, that if you don't provide children's ministries for your congregation, then you are primarily ministering to spiritually mature people only. And mm-hmm. how can you do that and be an evangelistic church? Okay, we reach people, it doesn't matter where they're from. I mean, I, there's a fellow here cleaning the church this morning, man, that's come out of a life that uh, you and I couldn't even imagine, guys. I mean, it's just, it, you know, just a, a hard life. And he's, you could tell he's got the joy of the Lord. He's still battling some of his old, uh, grave clothes, but but he's only been saved for about a month, and he showed up this morning to help clean. And so those are the kind of people we see in our congregation, as well as the kind of people that have been there for for right. years and years. You have to provide an environment and a careful environment that ministers to all kinds of people. Uh, and I think that we do a disservice when we when we exclude people from both serving or benefiting from children's ministry. Now, a, a lot of what I just said is very much my opinion. Someone else may have a different philosophy and be successful at it, and I'm I'm for you. I'm on your team. That's fine. But I was I was raised in a church that always had a moderately active uh, children's ministry. Um, having said that, I was also raised predominantly in the main services of our church, and so I've seen our church grow from that point to where it is now. And here's what I say: is that churches grow when their children's ministries are enhanced and intentionally designed. And it's true that a well-run children's program will help with retention. It will disciple your your children, and it helps to develop a pattern of church attendance in families. So it's a supplement, and it is a benefit, but it, it is not the whole. Does that make sense? That's just what I found. I, I agree with almost everything you just said. I would add to that in addition to the, that in the sense of the way it helps the church. Your children's ministries— if there's if if you're training your workers and your teachers and you're teaching them how to grow in their capacity it it grows the depth of your church your yes. teachers and your workers become better christians they become better at handling the word of god they become better at dealing with people they become better at loving people they become better at at involving themselves in caring about someone else's life and helping to to mentor that other person toward the Lord. And so it benefits children, but it also benefits those that are 
again, if it's done right, if it's not just we're going to throw them in a corner and you know play kickball, but if if yeah. mm-hmm. you're, you're you're the staff, for lack of a better term, the staff who staff those children's ministries, they grow in grace as a result of serving, and that mm-hmm. makes your church stronger. Can I ask you, gentlemen, uh, what your children's ministry structure looks like currently? We have um, Sunday school. Our Sunday school starts at ten fifteen. Uh, I'm sorry. Children's Sunday school starts at ten. Adult Sunday school starts at ten fifteen. It runs to ten forty five. Uh, I have I have one, two, three, f- three, four, f- four or five classes for children, um, and then we run two buses. I think they probably brought in yesterday maybe thirty total on those two buses. Okay. So if we had one hundred and forty in church yesterday, thirty of those were children that came on the buses. Um, we have a a youth uh, a youth pastor who's a paid youth pastor, a part-time staff, and he do, does activities, things of that nature with them, teaches a class for them. Uh, we have a children's program on a Wednesday night called King called uh, Kids for Truth, uh, which centers basically around learning a children's form of systematic theology. Mm-hmm. And um, we also have a homeschool group that my wife leads that meets uh, every couple of weeks and does activities and uh, school-based academic and and field trip sorts of things. That's a real quick 60-second yeah. overview. Yeah, Mark? so I, I guess we have something similar. So we've got Sunday school for all age groups, and we normally run that. That's 10 to about 10.35 on the Sunday mornings. Junior church, we run up to about, um, I think it's third or fourth grade. I should pay more attention to the announcements. But it's about third or fourth grade, and they start <laughs> in with the uh, – you know, with the, the the whole congregation, and we sing a few hymns together. And after the offering is taken up, that's when they go down with their teachers, and they they usually are going through um, kind of a cyclical curriculum. And then Wednesday evenings, th- that kind of uh, works as our youth club as well. And so they usually take maybe some kind of VBS material and work through right. that, and then extend it out over the oh, either the summer or the you know the school terms um and, and that's basically our breakdown we have vacation bible school as well and the, the leaders yeah. set up right. special events throughout the year so I, go ahead tom we bring all of our teenagers into every preaching service uh and in fact our children's church on sunday morning only runs up through age 10 so f- so from age 11 and up you're in the main preaching service sunday morning sunday night and wednesday night Okay, so I'm going somewhere with this. For our church, where we've kind of come to is this: um, we have, <clears throat> excuse me, we have Sunday school at ten. It's for all age groups, and more recently, I've tried to just develop the adult Sunday school classes, and that's built our children's class. So emphasis on adults, it's going to build children, especially young couples. So we run about 200 every week in Sunday school, which is a new a new normal for us. We we were around 150 for a very long time, and that's just recently jumped up. And so it's been really exciting to see. Um, then we bring our buses in for the 11 o'clock hour. And so in the 11 o'clock hour, we have a nursery. Then we have a separate toddler ministry. And then we have a primary, uh, junior, a tri- a beginner, primary, and junior church all the way up to sixth grade. And then all teenagers are in the auditorium with us. Uh, I just like having the teens with us. I think that I think that's part of the the goal, right, is that Sunday morning, like, let's make the teenagers part of the main thing that's going on. 
And we have a mixture of of the bus route teens and church teens. And there's a teen section, which we have Sunday night. Um, we will have uh, nursery only. Tom, you mentioned that. And that's, we call it our family service. And we encourage people to say, hey, bring your kids back on Sunday nights, teach them how to sit in a service, teach them how to participate. Our children's choir only sings on Sunday nights. And there's, it's not because we don't want them on the other, it's just, it's most practical and it, it brings people back for that. They practice during choir practice. Wednesday nights, we have a teen service. Our youth pastor takes the teens and they meet actually at 6.45 and go to 8. Then we, about uh, 2018, 2017, we started Master Clubs. You guys familiar with Master Clubs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so the, it was just kind of, we were looking for a program. We settled on Master Clubs. And here's where that's helped. And so this is, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, but I sound like a Baptist preacher, don't I? I'm going somewhere with this. Um, <laughs> we were able to develop a lot of children's workers through that Wednesday night program. It's very structured. It comes with a curriculum. It's based on scripture memory and participation in Christian service throughout the week. Um, there, there are a lot of great, it's very much a discipleship program for kids. And we have somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 volunteers that work in that ministry. And I tried to get people who weren't already Sunday school teachers. There are some, there are probably seven or eight out of that 20 that already work in a children's ministry, but they have really invested in very small groups of our children. And you have to register for that this year. We have 30 registered and most of them are there every week. Um, here's what that's done for us guys is, is it's helped us. People say, well, we have a hard time with our evening services or midweek services. It's really helped with that. And again, I know that I'm going to get accused of pragmatism on this. That's not why it's helped. The Bible says that we are cleansed by the washing of the water by the word, right? I'm not quoting that exactly correctly, but Wednesday nights is my verse by verse expository. We, we've been in Ezra and Nehemiah for a whole year and the parents come and they sit there and they grow in the Lord. And these are parents that know, going back to what you said earlier, Tom, about parents won't, some parents won't come because their their children are not well-versed in sitting still in church and all that. And it's embarrassment. And they get there and it doesn't go well. And they just say, well, we'll try again. And they never do. Okay. We're seeing a lot of that. Um, so it's a way for their children to come along because there's more structure on Wednesday nights. And it's a way for the parents to get a reprieve like, oh, okay, good. I don't know if you've ever sat with children in church before, <laughs> but every time I do, I'm like, Man, I'd rather be up there preaching. <laughs> there should be a crown in heaven for the oh man, yeah, mothers and kids. Yes, because yeah. I'm like, I'm like, stop kicking my leg, or I'm going to kick you across the room right in the middle of the service. <laughs> but but parents kind of on a Wednesday night they go, oh, thank you, thank you to these nice people who help train my children, and, and I get to get some get fed as well. And I think about the the mothers who never get spiritually fed because they're constantly, you know, working with their mm-hmm. children, and what a blessing it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, for them to be able to sit in a service. And that's something important about the nursery ministry. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, it, yeah. it is a ministry because it does enable those moms who maybe ordinarily would not get a chance just to sit and hear the word. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I, all that to say is that it's, it has helped establish a, a pattern of faithfulness without coercion, without uh, beating anyone over the head with the with the... Uh, the mantra, uh, you know, of the day, like you need to be here every sur- yeah, I, I just don't do that. We provide things to help people and they come and they begin to develop a habit of coming. And then for the longest time, we always cut out our uh, children's ministry in the summer 
for about four weeks. And then in the middle there, two weeks on either side, and we would provide like maybe a age four up to age eight, we would have something for them, but that's it. And we'd see our crowd go down. Well, this past summer on the weeks we didn't have children's ministries, our crowd didn't go down. And so that tells me that families are growing in maturity and that there's a desire for the word and that they're comfortable bringing their children and sitting through a service. And and it's really, I mean, I say they didn't go down. They may have gone down by 10. Okay. I'm, I'm, I don't want to be dishonest. I'm just saying it was very (laughs) stable. Um, it was, it was very consistent and I attribute as the pastor, just what I'm seeing and, and somewhat feeling and sensing full disclosure, I'm attributing a lot of that to the fact that we have a stable children's ministry program with familiar faces. You're dropping your kids off with some of the same people every week. Those people get to know those families. There's a spirit of family with all of that. Uh, and so I, you know, I just, I'm a big fan of it. I guess that's, I said a lot to say that. I'm a really big fan of children's ministry when done right. So how do we, if if the three of us are proponents of it in a in what we would argue is a balanced way, mm-hmm. we've argued that it ought to be done carefully and that our our people who are staffing our children's ministries need to be teaching the word of God and doing a good mm-hmm. job, not just running activities. So how do we, not how do we do that? Because I don't want to aim this at pastors. How, yeah. how can... You understand what I'm asking? I do. What do I'm, we I'm do? How can I'm we ready. do it <laughs> to to make sure that we are we are helping our our workforce to to grow in ability? Okay, I'm ready. Here's my thought: that this episode may be one of the most non pastor pastor directed episodes of them all, and here's why: is that because our listeners who are listening probably go to a myriad of different styles of churches. With a myriad of different options, some have no children's ministry. Some have like these mm-hmm. powerhouse children's ministries where if you wanted to, you you would never see your child at church. And so balancing all of that is up to the parent. It really is. Now, I want to encourage parents that if you're going to a church where they're very limited on what they can do, not what they do, but what they can do with children's ministry is be the solution, be the answer. Have your children there. Your children will not miss out by being a part of a small church. Okay, I amen, didn't. Right. Amen, I amen, didn't, amen, amen, amen. I did not have a lot of friends my age growing up, and that wasn't because they were there and I just didn't have them. Uh, it was because there weren't always children my age. Okay, and so I, I got to thinking about that with my kids a while back. I'm like, what are they missing out on here? What, what's not that there was anything wrong. I just was pondering as parents should, I think, do, you know, the spiritual well-being and the social spiritual well-being of their children. And I, my kids always would come up to me after the end of the service here recently and say, Dad, can we go outside with our friends? And we have a little lawn area in the front, relatively safe and all that. And I say relatively safe, like it's not always safe. It's safe. Um, <laughs> and um, I say, so finally, one day I looked at my oldest and I said, hey, you want to go outside and play with your friends, don't you? Because he always comes and stands right next to me. He said, yeah, yeah. Can I go outside? I said, you can do that after you have shaken the hands and talked to five people over the age of 50. Now, my oldest, he's a, <laughs> his wheels are turning all the time. You know, he's the, he's a kind of, he's always in his own head. And so I threw all that information at him at once. I said, you can go outside and play with your friends, but you got to go talk to p- people who are older than 50 years old and you got to shake their hands and say, it's good to see you. 
Mm-hmm. Because that's all I was able to do. I mean, I talked to the old people at church. Not that fifties old. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but as a child, I was going to say that he turns around and goes to a bench of thirty year olds because kids have no concept yeah, yeah. of age. Exactly. Exactly. Right. I, and I don't care no, what I he does. I just to do. it's well in our yeah. situation where we're so blessed with my, our children have lots of friends and 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 kids to play with. I don't want them missing out on the adult social skills that I gained as a child just by not having children in our church my age. Mm-hmm. And so you be the balance there. Go there and realize your children are not at risk for some underdevelopment or whatever. Uh, train your kids, teach your kids, start from the back, work your way up to the front. Uh, children do better when there are no distractions in front of them, but they need to be trained how to behave before you put them on the front row. I don't know if you've ever had someone in your church sit on the front row and you wish they hadn't. Um, I've had that. Where, Almost every week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've had it before and I'm like, okay, your kids can play uh, they can color, but they can't color on the floor in front of the front row. Like there's 150 people in here, dude. There's, you know, come on. And there's just, you know, awareness that has to be built up in, in certain people. And and that's fine. We, we tolerate it. Uh, every once in a while, I get someone walk out the door and say, man, pastor, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I go, uh, I, I don't had, either. I had so many years of, I had so many years of empty auditoriums, you know, when I first started right. that, right. you know, even if, I'm having a problem on the front row. I'm just thrilled there's somebody yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got more. Can I, I keep going? You know, with this, <laughs> if you're in a church where, you know, there isn't much of a youth ministry, but maybe the church uh-huh. is willing, they want to grow, then somebody has to be that first family or, or kind of the, the the kickstart to other things happening. And if you, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of small churches struggle because a family comes in and then they say, hey, I want to take my kids where there are other kids. And so... It's it's really yeah, hard I know to a lot of church planners who battle that. Willing. Yes. Yeah, I know I know a lot um, of church planners who battle that. They're like, well, I just had another family leave because we don't have the programs that the church down the road has. And I, I that burdens my heart for them big time. And I think that's where the parent can turn around and say, you know what, this is this is something we can we can help with. We can be a part of growing this church through being mm-hmm. active in the in the youth ministries. Right. Yeah, so that's one side of it. And to that to that group, I would say this, that this may be what they need to hear is your children should not dictate where you go to church. Amen. Right. Your, Amen. your children should dictate very little. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm sorry, but you know, sorry. Well, my, kid, my kids don't really like the, the... So what? So do your children like every teacher they have in school? Of course not. No, I mean, if they do, then man, good for you. But I'm not, come on, I that just doesn't make well, any kids sense. Like all their parents sometimes. So I mean, if likability is the the question, then yeah, that's a false so, premise. So that's for the, the 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 family that's struggling, saying where should we where should we plant our family? Man, just make a make a home out of that little church that God has led Amen. you to. Amen. Be Amen. a part of it. Don't let your children dictate and and. Use it. I'm telling you guys, my parents used this and they were in the ministry. I get it, but they use it as a way to teach me that, you know, life's not always fair. We don't always get what we mm-hmm. want and you need to make the best of your situation. And and I saw one guy do this today in, in class. He told all the kids he's at school, he goes, put your hand over your head, put your hand over your head, just like that. And everybody put their hand over their head. He goes, you are responsible for the person under that hand. He said, you're the one who's responsible for your spirit. Teach your children that young. For the other side, okay, so the other side would be parents and families who are very concerned that their children are being maybe pulled in too many different directions at church. 
there are too many programs or too many this, that, and the other, the schedules to where there's no family time. And that can happen. Christian school programs, mm-hmm. all that. Um, and the balance for, of that is something that I'm constantly trying to be aware of for our church because I want our church to focus on family. But for that, you know, I would say this, be the leaders of your home, mom and dad, and make a decision about what you're going to put your kids in. Put them in Sunday school, put them in Wednesday night children's program. But we've got a family in our church I'm thinking of right now. They hold their kids out of junior church, not because they don't want their kids down there, you know, not because there's bad influences, but we want our kids in church with us. And their kids are like five, six years old. And I'm like, good, great. That is totally up to the parent. If I see that, I'm going to applaud that parent for having the the guts to go against the grain a little bit and say, huh, this is just what we do. And this is how we're going to roll with our family. For families that are, are interested in, in seeking that balance, I think it's important that we that we emphasize and that we lead by example in teaching parents to teach their children the word of God at home. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I, I went to church, went to Sunday school, went to junior church, did all that as a kid growing up. We have those in our church. But, you know, my 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 mother and father sat me down and they read the Bible before we went to school every morning, things of that nature. I teach my mm-hmm. children, have all these years as a father sitting at my dining room table. I teach them the word of God just just individually, personally, Um, when you do that, you become less, oh, this is going to sound critical, and I don't mean it to be critical. When you do that, you become less territorial about Mm. thinking the church is taking over your role in teaching children, because you're still teaching your children. So when you go to church, then you're, you're more accommodating to Okay, so there's an activity or a program or a, or something for children, and so my children are going to go. I'm not sure if that is the right point in the conversation to bring it up, but it's just how my my this is a conversation, right, Stephen? So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, yeah no, I think it's, it's a good. I think it's a good point. And I think as as well, I think it's important to put out there that parents can teach their children. Um, and it probably ties in a little bit as well why some people are reluctant to become Sunday school teachers is because they don't think they're qualified. Now, I think we should be trained and we should do our best to deepen our ability. But, you know, the, the persecuity of scripture, as they call it, is that you teach as you walk in the way, when you get up in the morning, when you sit down for a meal, you know, it's, it yeah. takes time and preparation and we should always endeavor to do better. But I think parents can teach their children and people can become Sunday school teachers and, and help in the youth ministry. So how do you do that as a church? How do you, how do you take someone who has a desire to teach in some capacity or minister in a children's ministry? How do you train them? How do you teach them besides just handing them a book and saying, you know, here's, here's the curriculum, go to it. I'll say there's, I think you can, if you've got a, a good teaching ministry as the foundation of your church anyway, then people are learning. But then I think it comes down to almost a an enhanced level of discipleship and maybe even going through the materials with the teacher before they, you know, are involved with the children. And, and what we have is a Bible Institute. And I'm hoping that in time mm-hmm. we can make those materials available and the Bible Institute can be used to some degree to train the teachers to teach the children. I would say too, if it's, if you're just starting out, you don't have any workers, it's the pastor's job to teach the initial workers how to, how to teach a lesson, how to develop that lesson, et cetera. But then Mm -hmm. you can start to use 
use what you have already invested in people as a way to teach others also. So you could put someone in a class as a teacher assistant and let them watch and let them learn by observing. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's one way of doing it. I think those are all good answers. Yeah. That, that whether you're talking about, you know, having a a class where you're teaching people how to teach in like an institute setting. um, I think that's a good answer. I think, uh, putting someone as an assistant first with a good teacher who's going to mentor them and teach them how to teach, gradually yes. turning over to them areas of Sunday school to do and to develop and to work on, and then uh, um, you know pairing them on and off and taking turns and rotation and and that sort of a thing. Another thing I think that is helpful along this line is if there is a regular meeting for all those that are in children's ministry. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's good for organizational purposes, but I also think it's good for teaching purposes. So you can. You can do organizing things in there where you plan schedules and activities and who's doing what and what situations do we need to care for about all kinds of stuff. But you can also walk in there and and from time to time you can bring little, I don't know, little two or three or four minute lessons about teaching, about training, about about mentoring, about working with children um, right. so that you're constantly in, in, in these different forms and fashions you're working with um, – your teachers are never just left alone to, to, to sink, swim, survive, or perish, that there's a, a support system that will help them to grow. I think that's an yeah, important I'm, part of it. That's something I'm, I'm not good at and I'm working on because that's certainly mm-hmm. – uh, I, think, I think the old model was a weekly meeting, and to me that was, just became so overkill, and it was like, I don't have anything to talk about. Uh, it was funny because Arby Willette actually uh, verbalized that to me. He goes, we used to have a meeting. Uh, I ran out of stuff to say. And I was like, how did you run out of stuff to say? But, you know, <laughs> that's funny. it could be seasonal. It could be, hey, we have twice a twice a year. We have a development sure. yep. time on a Saturday. It could be monthly. It could be whatever. Um, kind of going back to that that parent or those parents who are concerned that your child is being over-programmed by the church. Um, something that I would just encourage is avoid extremes. So on one hand, the extreme is to drop your kid off at everything and let that be the babysitting service. On the other hand, is the extreme to not let your kid be a part of anything. And, and I think that's very dangerous. And I wanted to bring this out because there is a very, um, there's a very good reason to allow other people to influence your children and to teach them how to respect authority beyond the home. And so mm-hmm. some of them, and, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, you would probably have more context on this than, um, than maybe Martin would. I don't know. Uh, but both of you would would know the answer biblically, I think, to it, is that the the Gothard movement, in a sense, really elevated the home beyond the church to the degree there's no authority, there's no there's almost no room in the family for the church to have any influence. And it really diminished the the influence of pastors and Sunday school teachers. And as a result of that, we have parents who they don't want to let their kid go to class unless they're sitting in the class with them. I'm mm-hmm. like, whoa. That's yeah, a lot. It, it's you look. I think if Paul said to Timothy that that he had had many instructors in Christ, yeah, and there was nothing negative about that, right? No, he, Paul wasn't saying you shouldn't have had many instructors. You should have only had one father. He said you have had many instructors in Christ, um, and so that uh, we know from history that Jesus. We don't know this from the Bible, but we know from history that Jesus would have been taught first at home, yes, but then he would have been taught by the rabbi at the synagogue. That's and correct. so there, there's there's biblical support, there's historical support, there's common sense support for using mm-hmm. other teachers to work with your children 
without yeah. abdicating your own responsibility. And yeah. whether it's Gothard that has, you know, takes some of the uh, of the ownership of that blame, whether whether the Gothardites would reject your description you just gave or not, the fact remains there has been a push in that direction, and I think it yeah. harms. I think it harms the church. Um, I accidentally it harms the social got on and spiritual right. development. It starts. This, it harms the spiritual and social development of the child. It does, and it it teaches the child. I think it teaches the child not to follow the pastor. And this is this can be somewhat controversial. And I I, I want to give it just a bit of context to this. I'm not one of these dictatorial my way or the highway type of pastors. I try not to be. Sure. I don't think that I am. That violates scripture. And yes, but I, but I do think that if a parent brings a child to church and never allows that child while that child is at church to to go into some ministry directed by the pastor where the parent is not present, I right. think that mm-hmm. parent is training that child that the pastor is not to be followed. And I think that's a dangerous thing. I think it violates Hebrews 13, but I think it's dangerous to the future well-being of that child. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's dangerous in another way too, and that's that is that eventually you're going to let your kid go out and get a job, hopefully, right? So they're they're going to be accountable to somebody, and so you're going to make them almost exclusively accountable to you, and then you're going to let them loose in the world with no spiritual influencers in their life because you've constantly diminished the role of spiritual leadership in their life, and so if if that helps, it's if that well, helps you to say some, it, and, you know. And, They've never exercised that discernment, you know, so what they learn at home, what might be slightly different, the way that a youth teacher or Sunday school teacher explains it, and to go back to the parent and say, hey, this is what I just was told, what do you know, what do you think? And it's a step in discernment to be able to say, okay, well, this is how you filter through what, you know, we teach at home and maybe something that was just a little bit different in your Sunday school class. I don't want to leave the wrong impression because I would rather have parents, from my perspective, overly involved with their children uh-huh. than too little involved with their children's spiritual well-being. You understand what I mean? Yeah. If there's a ditch, yeah. I would rather them be in that one. Um, yeah. But again, I think there's a I, I think there's a balance in all these things, and I think um, it, it's clear from experience and from the Word of God and from and and from history and from testimony that there is great value to be gained when I allow other people to come alongside of me as mm-hmm. a father and yes. essentially say the same thing in a different voice. Yes. Again, mm-hmm. that doesn't abdicate my responsibility. And, you know, if I, if I use it as an excuse to abdicate my responsibility, then I will answer to God for that as a father. Um, it doesn't mean I can't teach my children. It, it, you know, th- there's, there's balance in all of these things, but I think there's great wisdom in availing children's ministries and in, and in being in the kind of a church that utilizes them, I think they're yeah. stronger churches. So, mm-hmm. so what I've noticed, and this is not an indictment or a criticism of the homeschool movement, because we homeschooled our kids for years. We would still right. do it if that were a need. Uh, Tom, you homeschool. Uh, yeah. Martin, you homeschool. I'm. This is not an mm-hmm. indictment of that. What I've noticed is that homeschooled children rarely have too little socialization on the interpersonal side with other children because there's homeschool co-ops. Um, our children were part of a church at, you know, here at Faithway where there are a lot of kids, so they're seeing kids all the time. Our kids had no problem socializing with children. Where we might have a problem, if we're not careful, is our children socializing with adults. And mm-hmm. that's an issue to me 
because adults represent authority in the life of a child, Um, not dictatorial authority, as you've already stated, Tom, but the kind of authority that God puts in their lives that they need to learn to respect the kind of authority that they need to learn to benefit from. You know, we, we put our kids in, in upward basketball and my, and someone asked, why'd you do that? I said, cause someone else needs to yell at my kids from time to time. <laughs> I, I need a coach. They need a coach. Who's going to be like, get, get up and you know, you know, get going buddy. And realize it's not just us who are like, Hey man, you know, you need to, you need to suck it up and keep moving. Sorry. I know. Sound like a terrible parent here. Um, but the reality of it is, is that they need to learn that other people can tell them what to do and that they need to respond to authority within reason. Because if they don't, they're going to have issues later on. And I, I have also found this and I want to, I may be the, Tom, I may be the Tom Brennan of this episode. I don't know. But I have found that parents who um, use any excuse to remove their children from the authority of another spiritual leader. And that could mean this, that, well, we taught our child this at home, this, that, or the other, and then the pastor said something different, okay? A lot of times that will happen on, in the nuanced areas of Christianity. Right. right. I know we have a hard time admitting that, that those areas exist, but right. but you know what right. I mean. Yes. Um, well, it's just different preferences, the, and you know sometimes with it, <gasps> differences exist. Preferences. preferences. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, so in, those rel- in that realm, <laughs> in that realm, I'm shaking that one off real quick. Um you know, the pastor may, the pastor's family may have a different standard on something that you have. I have found that people who do not teach their children to respect authority anyway, I'm not talking about major doctrinal or moral failure. I'm talking about in the nuanced areas that generally those people don't stay in any church long enough to put down roots. Right. And that was, I was thinking, you know, if, if the children can't trust the pastor, then why should the parents? Well, it's, it's almost like it's lost on parents occasionally. And I'm not saying this because I've been victimized by anything. I'm saying this because I was raised in a very strict home and I'm raising my children in a pretty strict home. And sometimes they hear people say things different than what we say. Mm-hmm. And it's always to me, I welcome it because I go, oh, that's good. I said, yeah, that, that's the way their family works. And that's mm-hmm. the way they believe. And I say, no, this is how we believe. And it's okay. Well, the, life goes on. The world, the world continues to revolve around the sun. Sorry, it, I just figured all the other opportunities to explain. <laughs> Leave the flat earthers <laughs> alone, man. Um, but it gives you another. Op- <laughs> it gives you another opportunity. Let's deal with one opposition explain. group at a time, please. <laughs> no, what? I'm just I'm going for the throat on this one, the jugular. Yeah, go ahead, Martin. No, it gives you that other opportunity to explain not only what you believe, but why, and from an angle of uh, apologetics as well. You know, this is what they believe yes. differently, and. I think it's a useful tool that as they grow up, they can see where some good people believe differently and they can still get along. Yeah. Yeah. I would say for parents too, you should trust, but verify. Okay. But don't neglect the trust, but don't neglect trust. That's, that's my issue is that you should never abdicate your authority or responsibility as a parent. And you should never neglect to even correct things in private at home or publicly when necessary. Um, but, but I feel like we have lived in such a suspicious world where it's very cynical, even of other believers to the degree that it's not healthy. It's just, you know, we assume the worst in people. And I think that's something that we need to work on in this area. It isn't the flip side of that is, and let me argue against myself is there are people who've had genuine, yeah, uh, and we've done podcasts before about dealing yeah, with abuse you're and, and you're right. that sort of a thing. But they have experienced that in their with their children, and I can't fault them for being, from my point of view, 
a helicopter. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> I wondered if that was the term you were going to use. They're just they're reacting to their own experience. And I, I yeah. the other thing is sometimes parents know what their kids are going through in ways that the pastor doesn't and the, the teaching staff doesn't. And they know that their child needs to be with them in a service for the next two months for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, you know, I think that that we need to have the sort of churches where we can respect that, where we're not going to fuss oh, I with do. that, where we're going to. Yeah. Anytime I well, see it, a parent exerting leadership and saying, hey, you know, we're just working with our son or, you know, especially those three and right. four year olds. God, God love them. Uh, we're just going to work with them for a little bit. And I've told parents before, I said, keep your child in the service for the song service and then take them to the nursery if age will allow it. You know, get get ahead of it. Yeah. That kind of thing. Well, any good children's ministry should be in partnership with the parents. It's not a competition. Amen. It's one not replacing the other. Amen. There's a partnership there. There's a key goal that you have in mind and you're working together on it. Amen. I just finished a, a really good book. I know we're running out of time, but I just finished a really good book on youth ministry. And one of the statements that uh, Brother Cron made in that in that book about youth ministry was that the children's ministry should be the parent's best friend. That mm, the parents amen. should view it as they're reinforcing what I'm teaching, not tearing it down. They're they're helping, not hurting. They're they're building my relationship with my children closer, not not driving a wedge in between. And if it's structured right and if it's done right, it will support the home, not attack the home. Amen. Mm-hmm. All excellent thoughts. Great discussion today, guys. A great conversation, Tom. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't often feel like I, I, I walk away from these sometimes and I go, oh, man, you know, but you just do your best. I, you, our heart here is to edify. And I know I know the same yeah. is true, Brother Wickens and Brother Russ. Our desire is just to try to minister to the folks yeah. that listen. That's our heart. Amen. I think so often Amen. we have an hour long conversation and we feel like we've only just started yes. the conversation we, we've yeah. initiated yeah. something right. and there's just That's a fine. ton more that needs to be covered yeah that that it may it may start conversations among others later on you know it may be let uh, the russo brothers get together and do an afterglow on all of our podcasts and <laughs> or just the comments you give us on social media or the private feedback about stuff we should have said that didn't or yeah. al- alternating mm-hmm. viewpoints on something all of those are helpful for us they all they That's, all make us think that's why I love our live podcasts because we basically yeah. use those as a time to bring all that in, maybe mm-hmm. you know clean up some of the some of the the controversy or or maybe dig our heels in you know just whatever. We controversy. Don't have controversy. No, we have controversy. Controversy. Controversy is maybe. Yes, yes. Well, guys, thanks for taking time out of your busy day um, and uh, sharing that with our listeners. And for now, we're going to leave everyone with uh, just a message of encouragement that we love you. We appreciate you. We hope you'll share this podcast. And thanks for tuning in today.